Africa, and I'm your host, James Rowett. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach, and owner of James Rowett Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website, fitamputee.co.uk. Today is the 100th episode of the Mindset Game Podcast. Before we get started with it, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. On today's show, I've got Andres Valdish. He has been a US diplomat for over 12 years, so he's acquired vast international leadership and management experience. He speaks a multitude of languages. He has led teams as small as two to as large as 200 in eight countries. Now he's a part-time entrepreneur using his international experience along with his personal story of overcoming financial, academic and family setbacks to inspire, motivate individuals through his keynote speaking, writing and advising. Not forgetting he has written for the Everyday Power Blog, Thrive Global and Medium. He has also spoken to corporate staff, students and mastermind groups. And finally, but not least, is also a lecturer at the leadership school. So welcome onto the show, Andre. It's great to be here, James. It's an honor to be on your show, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for the kind words. So before we delve into today's, today's episode, uh, Andre, can you yeah. talk us through, obviously, uh, how you came about uh, first wanting to publish your book in the first place? So I got this idea because um, I had, for a long time, I've I've had a desire to be an entrepreneur, and um, I really didn't know where to start. I, I had I had I had dabbled in several ideas; they didn't go anywhere. And then I took a step back, and I and I started really looking inside of, of myself. And one of the things that I discovered is that what I really loved was something that I had been doing my entire life, but I didn't know. And it was basically mentoring, guiding, and coaching people. One of my first jobs after high school, I was coaching a a basketball team for middle school kids. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I I really loved the idea of getting a group of guys together, uh, motivating them, coaching them, you know, trying to help them accomplish things. But in the process of teaching them how to play basketball, I was really trying to teach them about life. And so that idea kind of like, you know, 20 years later was kind of still with me. And so the idea from the book came about because as I was kind of doing this, this, this self-reflection, um, I, I, I was thinking, you know, what can I, what, what can I share with the world? What do I have in me? And as I started writing and thinking, you know, what I realized is that I had a story that I could share that could kind of inspire people and motivate people and kind of show them what were the steps that I took to overcome so many things that I've seen that are really holding so many people back. And so I kind of started with that idea. And really, I got the inspiration also from my wife, because my wife was always asking me, how did you, you know, accomplish this? And how did you get out of this situation? And how did you do this? And I never had an answer. And then when I started, as I was writing this book, and I was thinking, I said, you know what, what I realized was, I had made specific decisions in my life that helped me go in a different direction. And as I was writing, I started finding, oh, you know, at this point, I made this decision. 
And then I made this decision. And I actually wrote down the seven most powerful decisions that I made that kind of helped me take my life in a different direction. Because I thought if I could do this, you know, this is something that I could share with other people. And, you know, one of the other things that motivated me was that I loved I loved reading about personal development and leadership. And so when people want to start businesses and, and, and they want to do things, sometimes they do things that they have no idea. They don't know anything about. So I really focused on something that I was already interested in, which was the whole personal development and, and um, leadership in that area. And so that's kind of why I kind of went in that direction. But then the, the five topics you, you raised with me, obviously, in our correspondence via email, yeah. you, you talked about, obviously, the passion and you know, people's passion can sometimes be overrated. Can you kind yeah. of elaborate what you mean by that point? Because from my perspective, yeah, when you talk to me, obviously, as we're speaking now, yeah. you have a passion for your career. So yeah. how can that passion be kind of overrated when you're yeah. doing something that you enjoy? Yeah, that's a great that's a great topic. You see, I think what happens. Um, I was talking to a group of of college students, and a lot of them have this idea that oh, the first thing you need to do is find your passion, find your passion, and once you find your passion, you just go at it. But here's the thing: for most people, when you're when you're 15, 16, 18, 19, it's unlikely that you're going to know what your passion is. So the advice that I give to young people is find something that you're interested in. Once you're interested in something, stick with it. Commit to it. After you commit, the passion will develop. The problem is we're trying to find the passion first without committing to something. Unless you commit to something, you won't stick with it long enough for the passion to develop. So while I do believe that passion is important, I believe that you need to commit to something in order for that passion to build up. Because the problem is sometimes people will spend a few months on something and then they'll move on to something else. I've done it myself. I've done it myself. I've experimented with so many different things, so many ideas and so many topics. But the thing is, is that unless you really stick with something long enough, you'll never really understand what the passion is. So that's why I say, yes, passion is important, but I really believe that you need to commit to something first so that the passion can develop. But then, on Andre, some entrepreneurs, and this is probably, uh, could some people could set, take this one way or another, some yeah. would argue that you need to kind of, to be successful, and mm-hmm. this is probably an argument I don't agree with now, mm-hmm. uh, they say to try and have your, as in this, this quote now, have your fingers in as many pies as possible to be able to kind of, dip your toes in and kind of find your feet to kind of propel yourself and succeed. It's something mm-hmm. I don't agree with because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, they could say for people that don't do that, they are on the defensive and they would say, if you do that, you're on the offensive. Well, I would disagree because it's, I think we are as people very, yes, we are defensive and we will do things that are um, not risky. But mm-hmm. then on the other hand, if you stretch yourself so thin, thinly, mm-hmm. you're not doing something that you really enjoy. So you're going, you're not really going to do it wholeheartedly. And mm-hmm. which which side of the fence would you kind of say you fitted in along those? When I asked you that kind of question, yeah. And and here's the thing: every I I don't I don't believe that there's one way of doing it. 
Um, I think you have to find a way that works for you and commit. Commit to that way. Because if you don't commit, nothing's going to happen. Whether you have passion or not, unless you commit to something, it's just not going to happen. And so I do believe that, you know, you should try out a few different things and see which, if, if you don't have a good understanding, try. That's why I say start with your interests. What are you interested in? You like reading, you like sports, you like psychology. Okay, experiment with that. You know, see where it goes. But at some point, you know, it's like it's like when you're standing out in the sun, you don't automatically get burned, right? But if you use a magnifying glass and somebody points that magnifying glass at your forehead, in a few seconds, you're, you're, they're going to burn a hole straight through your head because the energy of the sun is concentrated in one point. So when you concentrate your energy at one point, that's when you can cause the most cause the most damage and that's why i feel that when you put all your energy into as few things as possible that's when you have a greater impact but if you're scattered all over the place for me personally um i can't concentrate i can't i can't move forward if i'm just working on too many things at the same time and so one of the one of the important things that i did is is i i, I wrote down what are the key areas of my life and i narrowed it down to seven things so I try to put most of my energy into those seven things, you know, my health, my faith, my family, my finances, my career, you know, those types of things, my community. Anything that's not on that list, if I'm working on it, I know I'm not going to invest too much time in it. You know, uh, video games, movies, uh, drinking, all that stuff. It's like, mm, that's not really a priority. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's not a priority for me at this time because I'm trying to concentrate as much of my energy into those core areas. And in, now, Andres, coming from the, the, the key points that you raised there, yeah. if you have to prioritize, and it's not an mm -hmm. easy thing to do in, in, in respect of, to, to, to those personal things, yeah. what order would you put those in preference? Or would it, def or, or would it vary dependent on the circumstance? It varies by person. It varies by your age. It varies by your circumstances. Um, but for me, you know, what I what I want people to do is to actually take some time and write down what are those key areas? What are those key priorities for your life? Because if you don't have those things in the right order, what happens is that your life can drift into a direction that you really weren't trying to go. So for me, you know, I have my, my, my faith is number one. Number two is my health, because if I don't have if I'm not in good health, I really can't be a good provider for my family. So I put my health really over my family uh, because I want to be there for them. And then I have my family and then I have everything else after that. And so what I realized is that I, I, I try to I try to, you know, you you can't have balance. But what I do try to do is put as much effort as I can into those areas. But what what would you say to somebody? Uh, and this is a question mm -hmm. I got asked. Oh, God, yeah. I think it was about a few months ago. Yeah, uh, they they kind of I I said where would you prioritize your health? And they kind of yeah. put their how did you put their career, their family, and I think their health was secondary. And my argument yeah. was to them, well, how can you put your health so low down on the spectrum when in the long run? The health need your health needs to be, I would say probably more important than the career because, like you right. said, if you're not in good health, 
one you can't do your job properly and, one, <laughs> you right. and then you can't then look after your family so it was like i i don't know it was i don't know where we were the person was coming from in terms of their mm-hmm. argument but it's like well i'm not i'm not dictating to you to to change that way but i'm just putting right. it from that perspective whereas you right. need to put more importance on it but what would you possibly say to 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 yeah. maybe that individual, but then to a certain extent to people that think in that kind of mindset. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? You're so right, James. You can't convince people to change their priorities. Um, but what I like to do is just to ask them questions to get them to reflect on their priorities. Um, because once you do a little thinking and you say, hey, wait a minute, what good is it to have a great career if I have terrible health? What good is it to spend my salary or my income on my poor health, right? So when you when you ask people the right questions, um, that's when they can kind of get the right answers themselves. You know, I think the problem in, in this world of, of, of leadership is that a lot of people have this idea that leaders need to have the answers, but I really feel that leaders need to have better questions because when you ask people questions – that's when you get them to kind of reflect and think on their own. I got three kids, and you know, one of the things that I learned in parenting is that I can't tell them what to do all the time. I need to get them, I need to train them to think on their own so that one day when I'm gone, they can make the right priorities without me being there. And the only way I can get them to do that is if I get them to think and reflect on their behavior. But do you think and this is coming from a different direction now and, and, and kind uh-huh. of the, the kind of questioning. Do you think maybe, and your your job obviously traveling around the world has probably helped you get a perspective of this. Do you think mm-hmm. as a society, as a whole, we have kind of gone away from that to some extent where people don't reflect on uh, themselves uh, and take on board what other people's opinions are and yeah. are not you could say, uh, go on the defensive, or I don't agree with your point of view, so I'm not going to listen to <laughs> it at all. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that is a, a sense of a perspective, or do you think it's just the way we've kind of become with society being, well, you, you've got access to information and a click of a button? Yeah. James, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were bored? Gosh, I think it's 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 a kind of a broad question because it depends on what you would say w- was bored because you could yeah. put it down. You could, from a, a, a probably a health perspective, people mm-hmm. would say they're bored when in fact, okay, uh, it's a number of factors. You could be dehydrated. You could be hungry. Right. Uh, it's in terms of boredom. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I was getting at. You know. We live in the information age. We live in the in the greatest age of distraction that I think has ever existed. We don't have time anymore. You know, 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have a smartphone in your hand. You didn't have the internet in your hand, right? So you would you had time to actually be bored and maybe do a little thinking, right? So now, if you're in line at the coffee shop, if you're in line in a restaurant, if you're every second that we have, we're consuming and consuming and consuming information. So we as a society, we just don't have time anymore to just stop and, and just spend a few minutes just thinking about where we are, about our priorities, about just thinking. We're not really intentional. It's because we're always just 
consuming more and more and more and more information. But on a on a on a probably more negative note, there, yeah, that's dangerous because you can get manipulated quite easily if you're not thinking for yourself. If you're not thinking for yourself, absolutely. Yeah, if you're not thinking for yourself, you know, and that's that's why I'm a big proponent of just reflecting, thinking. Of course, we need to know what's going on and and stay informed and things like that. But I'm very careful about what I consume in terms of media and how much news and, and, and all that stuff I take in. I try to regulate that. I don't I don't want my life to revolve around how much of this information I'm consuming all the time because I feel that it can kind of get out of control. But then you could probably go a step further in terms of the information that you consume. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more so here, the American media has got an agenda by depending on what station that you watch. It's here in the UK. Uh I would say they were once impartial. I think it's depending on where, where they stand, uh, depending on who who they've got an ax to grind against. So I think Mm -hmm. our media is just as bad or getting just as bad. So I think it's, well, you would think from a, impartial standpoint now that mm-hmm. the media outlets should be impartial and, and they mm-hmm. are there to inform people not to have mm-hmm. their agenda themselves as to okay we don't like uh, where a particular government is going down mm-hmm. well, that's not your decision to make that's it's for you to mm-hmm. give us the people at large the facts and mm-hmm. it's for that others than to then obviously like you were saying reflect on what the information we've been given mm-hmm. and get to, mm-hmm. and think for ourselves mm-hmm. how does that impact on me uh how is it going to affect on my family uh, and all the cer- different circumstances where you are, are at in your life and mm-hmm. go from there whereas and, and look at is it good or bad not say well this is that uh especially it's, uh, it's definitely health things that they'll ring alarm bells with me because they'll say X amount is uh, we've had a sugar tax come in in the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. they yeah. very much have an agenda as supposed as to well, this is going to uh, how would I word this uh, have an impact on low income families. Okay. Uh, well, is it really is is it really if if you give people the information and give them the knowledge and educate people, mm-hmm. they then okay. Some may still have those habitual um, things of consuming things that are not good for them. Right. There's nothing you can do about that. That's somebody's right. habit. Yes, you can change it if you give mm-hmm. them the tools, but some won't ever change their ways. There's nothing you can do right. about that. Whereas right. some, you give them the information, they'll become more knowledgeable. They'll be able to look at that information and digress it and make choices from that. And then maybe mm-hmm. make healthier choices, but saying that um, it's going to affect them financially is not true because right. those are all choices. I right. okay, in theory, maybe it should be the companies that fit, fit the bill for that because it's them are putting in the, the the sugary products. But that that's a different argument altogether. It's you, I've had arguments with people uh, left, right, right, left, right, and center. Okay, I can see the viewpoint you're coming from, but this is yeah. my argument. Yeah, 
And that's you know, and, and to 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 sort of tie it up with something, kind of the the theme of my book is and the title is Leader by Choice. And the reason why I named it Leader by Choice is because it's really about encouraging people to take a proactive role to kind of deciding what direction they want to take their lives. Um, because we have this idea that you know we're waiting to be led, we're waiting for the government, we're waiting for our leaders, we're waiting for the prime minister, we're waiting for our educators to lead us and tell us what to do. But you know, I really feel that each one of us has a responsibility to really decide what type of leader you want to be. And so there's this debate where people say, you know, are leaders made or are leaders born? And they've been debating this forever, right? And so what I like to bring into this conversation is I really don't believe in either of those options. I believe that leadership is a choice, right? And you have a choice to decide how much responsibility you want to take. You have a choice to decide what direction you want to go, what type of leader you want to be, you know, how you want to live your life. And so that's really what I'm pushing. And that's why I'm so cautious with the consumption of media and with kind of like waiting for people to decide things for me, right? And so that's why I'm really intentional about getting people to, to do that reflecting for the purpose of deciding what direction they want to go. But Andre, would you not argue that, well, this might be my argument to, to that, uh-huh. that it's a bit of a combination of, you, you, you are born to certain extracts that, you have certain traits that you are technically born with, and obviously uh-huh. leadership. Some are better at it than others as they as they grow up. But I, I think with experience, yes. you will become better at leadership um, in in terms of how you manage people. I think the good argument in terms of that would be um, the 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 ones of people that are very. Pr- uh, practical versus the ones that are very educational yes mm-hmm. you, you have people that are very um savvy in terms of being able to put information in from an academic standpoint but then if you right. ask them to put in a into a practical uh environment they can't do it right. whereas if you have the on the flip side of that somebody that's uh practical and in, in knowledge they can take that information and mm. kind of um, maybe, in an essence, make it more simple for the what's called it the layman people, the general public, to be able to understand. And mm-hmm. thus, thus, I think maybe they're better leading le- leading others and from a leadership perspective because mm-hmm. they can digress that information and spread it out to the masses. So that I think they're better, probably better, probably people managing than say somebody who is academically driven and it's kind of a different language altogether when you, when you, you, you are um, writing um, for journals and, and that kind of, that's right. That that's perspective. Right. And that's, and I wanted to get away from that because I didn't want to write something that was overly academic. I wanted it filled with real life experiences. And that's why I use so much of my personal experiences because I want to help people get away from the idea that leaders are these people with high positions, that people are, that leaders are people with these positions, that leaders are people in the military, uh, presidents and prime ministers, because the first step in leadership is really leading yourself. And that's where leadership starts, because if you can't lead yourself, there's no way you're going to lead somebody else, because people want to know, you know, is James doing the things that he's teaching on this show? 
Are you living by these principles? And if you're not, you don't have trust and you won't have any followers. So what I try to, especially with the younger people, what I try to get them to see is the first step is seeing yourself as a leader. Once you get that under control, then you're ready to start moving up because I, I see that leadership is more like a ladder, right? It's not like, it's not like a walk. It's more like a ladder. And each step on that ladder is kind of different responsibilities that you take. And at that first step as a leader, it's really the responsibility to manage yourself. But Andre, would you, would you argue to a certain extent, I'll say maybe this is a generalization now to the younger uh-huh. ones, do you think they are, and if we carbon back to probably education and go back to say high school and earlier now, uh-huh. They are less inclined to do that for themselves, maybe this day and age, and say your generation or mine. Do you think they say, well, the school needs to give me all the tools to be able to excel, whereas I think, mm-hmm. and people probably that know me could maybe say this is not true of myself, but uh-huh. I, I think on reflection, looking back, I uh-huh. don't think I was that way inclined. I, I think I wanted to learn as much as I could outside of the classroom as well, whereas I think this generation are less inclined. They're quite, you could call it lazy. I'll, I'll give them mm-hmm. the benefit and doubt and say it's a, a kind of a laissez-faire attitude. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll do the bare minimum to get by. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't blame this generation for that because that's what they were taught they didn't they didn't become that way on their own right so i feel that my generation created that so it's our responsibility to do something about it instead of just saying hey you know these guys these kids are lazy they're this they're that well we created that so i think we have a responsibility to kind of show them and lead them in a way that connects with them right but if 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 the approach is, hey, you guys are this and you guys are no good and you guys are that, there's no connection. We just have to find out what are those key points that will connect and motivate and inspire those that generation. And what I find with, with that younger generation is just um, they have a they have low tolerance for pain. They have a low tolerance for things that they, they dislike. They have a low tolerance for discomfort. Um, and as a leader, I just have to find a different way of managing around that and still tapping into the resources that they have, tapping into their brain power and to their abilities and to their commitment. So that's what leaders have to do. But from one perspective now, Andre, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be a, it's not really a negative, but a disadvantage yeah. for them because obviously being able to overcome adversity Right. Uh, also, uh, obviously, hardship. Right. Are two, and there's probably many others that I've probably forgotten. Uh, ways yeah. of of excel. Uh, well, not excelling. Uh, bettering yourself. So if you don't have those tools, mm-hmm. aren't you putting yourself at a, dis- a little bit of a disadvantage? It's, if 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 you have a low tolerance for pain and discomfort, you are definitely at a disadvantage. And that's why that's why I one of the things that I try to tell organizations um, and schools when I speak to schools is that you have to do something to help build up the the reserve of perseverance and resilience in these students in these in this younger generation. 
because I do feel from my perspective that they do have a lower tolerance for pain, but the leaders in those organizations need to find out ways that they can tap into the strengths that they have, right? Because once you tap into the strengths that they have, you can help move them along and move them up that leadership ladder. And at the same time, coach them, teach them, show them. But if we pinpoint, and I, it's going to, I think it's going to vary from individual to, to individual. Yes, it as does. As to why those, uh, we'll call them traits now, yeah. are, are low. But mm-hmm. in, in a kind of a general uh, generalization now, what are kind of some of the key factors as to why that has become apparent? I, I don't know. I think I think some of that goes, like I said earlier, I think it goes back to the way that we raise them as children. Because now uh, I, I realize that as parents, we want to do like I went through, a, I, you know, when I was growing up, I was homeless uh, on more than one occasion. Um, I lost two parents uh, unexpectedly. Um, I struggled with academics. I struggled in so many areas. And now when I'm raising my children, I want to minimize the pain and the struggles that they're going through. But at the same time that I'm doing that, I'm kind of not giving them enough perseverance that they're going to need. So one of the things that I've done in my parenting to sort of adjust with that is we've gone heavy on, you know, sports. We've gone heavy in like um, excelling in, in, in the arts, like music and piano and those types of things. And what we're doing is we're not making it easy for them. We're making them struggle. So we've intentionally made them struggle a little bit, right? So we're, we push them really hard in sports. Um, and I don't want to say push like we force, but we have high expectations in everything that they do because we're not, we don't want everything to be easy for them. So that's one of the ways that we, that we are artificially kind of helping them build up their reserves of resilience and perseverance. I get where you go. I, I get what you mean. So it's, it's, it's you could say in an essence mm-hmm. it is instilling a habit really if you That's can't right. get it from a perspective of it is you could argue that it's naturally ingrained for say the older generations That's they right. have to overcome well if we could talk about we happen back to the obviously the, the people during the war they've got that hardship and That's right. the aftermath of that um the baby boomers have got their own hardships, uh, obviously, and then you've got the decades after. That's uh, right. And then, obviously, the more recently, as we've talked about, they're a bit lower than. So it's replacing like for like, really. That's right. It's kind of like uh, creating um, almost like artificial struggles and difficulty, right, just to kind of help them build up that strength in those areas. So on the on the plus side, from an academic mm-hmm. point now, Andre, okay, would it be better for organisations, we'll say schools more specifically now, to mm. I don't know, I I know they do like to, you could say in an essence reward bad behaviour with uh, giving them in terms of. Uh, say taking them out of the mainstream and rewarding them with 
sport, I'm probably not worded that very well, but mm-hmm. giving them an another another alternative to keep them out of trouble, whereas I think some would argue you are rewarding bad behaviour with kind of a, a reward. Mm-hmm. I think where your argument would come from, that is not a bad thing because you are giving them an opportunity to um, maybe overcome some of their hardships that they're having to deal with and Mm -hmm. get those skills which you and I would would maybe call, how would you word it, something that's easy to come by because we've we've experienced those hardships along the way and maybe they aren't as good at dealing with the what like you said the 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 the, um, the qualities that you need to deal with everyday life that's right you know there's this book called um, mindset by psychologist carol dweck and one of the main sort of the thesis of the book or one of the main issues in that book that she discovers in her research is that the way that we've been rewarding and incentivizing the youth and people in general, um, we've been rewarding them with compliments and and money and all these types of things. But specifically in the academic, in, in, in school settings, what she found is the most effective thing to, to motivate students is what she found is praising them for their efforts and not for the results. Because when you focus on the effort, you're teaching the you're teaching the, the youth to persevere and to focus on that continuous improvement, continuous improvement, keep going, keep getting better, little by little by little, versus when you focus on, hey, you got the highest grade in the class or you did a great job on this test. Yeah, that's kind of like a one-time thing. But when you focus on effort, you're building that habit, which is something that you mentioned. And the goal is to really create a habit of excellence. So it's the, the book, in essence, is probably what the um, sport was originally designed for. It's obviously to praise uh, people's um, perseverance, whereas probably mm-hmm. now, now is out-and-out business sport. Mm-hmm. And I think school, to a certain extent, is similar to a certain extent because... It is a results-driven business. People need to obviously hit the marks in terms of grades, whatnot. Yeah. Probably, maybe more so in Europe. Maybe less so in 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 the US. Depend mm. on how you look at things. Uh, maybe from a, a an eligibility standpoint, that is the same because you've got to hit certain acad- uh, academic uh, results to be eligible. So it probably, if I bring that argument in, it would tie in nicely with it's a it's a results driven business so i think it's a it's a difficult one for schools in a in an essence because it's a very fine line between the two okay they want all the pupils to do well mm-hmm. but at the end of the day they are um looked upon on, on how well they're doing re- with results in terms of finances that's uh, right and, all, and, all, and obviously prestige uh, from the out, outer, uh, well, be it from the outside perspective and the greater community. So it's a difficult one for the, what, them to find themselves in, and they're kind of in a no no win situation. 
It is a very difficult situation. That's why I'm not a teacher. <laughs> so my final question for you, Andres, before we wrap yeah. up the episode today. If okay. you had to summarize what we've been speaking about in this episode into mm -hmm. one sentence for people to mm -hmm. take away, mm -hmm. what would that be? That would, in one sentence, what I would say is, I want everyone to be intentional about deciding what type of leaders they what type of leaders they want to be. Make that decision and go after it. Some, that's some good words, Andre. So once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. James, thank you so much for letting me be on your show. Um, I see that you're 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 really active. Um, you're putting out great content, and congratulations for having a great show. Thank you very much, Andre. And thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short written review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.